3: Welcome to CEO Coach this wonderful Monday morning. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. Hello, Ann.
4: Hello, Jillian. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Glad to be here with you. We've got a great guest today. Today we've got John Meyer from Meyer Fork Law in Seattle, Washington. John's been a guest here before, and I think this is the first time you're hanging out and chatting with John as well. So welcome, John.
5: Hi, Jillian. Hi, Ann. It's uh, great to be with you.
3: Good. Um, we're going to talk about some interesting stuff today. Everybody's always interested about funding, and today we're talking about staying clear of the problems in raising capital with either crowdfunding, crowdsourcing your capital, or raising capital through accredited investors. So let's take a look at the different kinds of things. And John, Give us a few bits of background for those of you uh, folks who haven't heard you before. Um, You know, where you're from and uh, whereof you know what you speak.
5: (laughs) Sure, I'd be happy to do that. So I I guess I'm a transactional securities lawyer in solo practice here in Seattle, Washington. Um, And uh, my practice focuses on advising uh, startup companies on getting set up and raising equity capital.
3: That's a pretty good thing to do because there's an awful lot of us out there who need it.
5: <laughs> yeah, um, it's, uh, it's a big business. Uh, the banks don't like lending, so um, raising capital is the way to go. So, and, and I was a math and economics major in college, and in addition to being an attorney, I have an MBA in finance. Uh, I worked as a management consultant before attending law school, and I practiced law on Wall Street for a number of years before going out on my own.
3: Pretty darn good. So I'm glad you got into this world because uh, you're a wealth of knowledge for folks who need to know about this stuff. Um, tell us a little bit uh, about what's going on.
4: Uh, maybe, Anne, have you got some hot questions here for John? I'm, I'm working on them. You know, I, I would like John to start at the beginning as though I know nothing because sometimes in this area I really feel like I know nothing. I mean, what, what are the things that we need to watch out for?
3: I guess, yeah, starting with crowdfunding, crowdsourcing capital, and then raising capital with accredited investors. What are the differences between those things?
5: All right. So the way to start, and uh, I think Anne asked the question perfectly, is let's pretend we know nothing. So let's start with the all-important definition, which is accredited investors. And accredited investors are folks whose net worth, excluding the equity in their homes, exceeds a million dollars, or they have incomes annual incomes of over 200,000 or if you want to include their spouse 300,000 okay we could get a lot technical more technical but let's just leave it at that for starters and the reason we need this definition is that under federal law and this is specifically regulation D rule 506 you know, startups can raise unlimited funds for a company from accredited investors Furthermore, the rule preempts state regulation, and as a practical matter, the SEC does not review offerings in advance, which means that you just go out and you raise the money, and you can raise it from up to 2,000 accredited investors without having to take your company public. Crowdfunding, is, on the other hand, is raising capital publicly over the Internet from many non-accredited investors each of whom invests a small amount. So we have a federal law which is complicated and unwieldy, and we are still waiting for regulations implementing it two and a half years after it was enacted. So we we do not have federal crowdfunding law yet. There are state laws that allow crowdfunding from investors who live in that particular state. And many of these regimes have been enacted and are open for use, but they all suffer from a single fatal flaw, which we will chat about in a bit.
3: Okay. So, uh, hmm, I'm, I'm worried about the single fatal flaw. Yeah, I'll um, get to, there. Me too. <laughs>
5: I'll all get right. You, but I need a few more definitions. So I just want to set everybody up for the fact that we don't have crowdfunding yet. That's the point. Okay. Okay.
3: okay. All right, so the uses of crowdfunding versus crowdsourcing capital versus raising capital through accredited investors. How do we start here?
5: Well, the best way to do that is to um, dive in a little bit and, and sort of let's talk about three different channels for the purpose of our discussion. So channel one is going to be a private placement to accredited investors under rule 506 b b is not boy right. then we're going to have our second channel is going to be public solicitation of accredited investors under rule 506 c and then our third channel is public solicitation of non-accredited investors under either federal or state crowdfunding laws okay and i'll, I'll keep referring to channel one two and three as the channels to get to um, the capital markets, um, but I'll also keep on reminding people what they are. So, Okay. So, we're going to try to make it clear. So, channel one, that's your private placement to your accredited investors under Rule 506B. That's the tried and true ways that companies have been raising money in the U.S. for over 30 years. Investors can self-certify that they are accredited. The investors must be known to the company at the time they invest, and the company may not publicly solicit for investors. As we discussed earlier, the state regulators preempted, and the SEC does not review the offering. So, as long as all investors certify that they are accredited, you don't need to write an offering memorandum, but you do need to disclose everything that is material to an investment decision.
4: Okay,
3: give us a a little bit about what's material here. I know we're going to digress a bit, but I think it's important.
5: Well, that's exactly where I was going. Oh, okay. That's that's good. (laughs) Thanks for asking. Um, So a comprehensive slide deck, the kind of slide deck that, you know, um, angel investors see in presentations, to which you add a good set of risk factors, will ordinarily cover that for a startup's A round. And if it turns out later that your investors were not accredited, or at least one of them was not accredited, it would be very difficult for that investor or any other investors to sue to get their money back because the investor questionnaire, where the investor self-certifies that he or she is accredited, is sufficient protection from litigation. Okay? okay? So that's how we've been doing it for 30-some-odd years, and it's worked just fine. Okay.
4: So so I'm going to ask a really dumb question here. People actually do that? They sue to get their money back?
5: Uh, yeah, all the time. And oh my goodness, tough. that's a scary, scary thought. And, you, and usually the lawsuit is about a material omission in the disclosure. So you really okay. do have to disclose everything that's material.
6: Okay. So, anyway, so let's talk about Channel 2. That's the new exciting one. That's the public solicitation of accredited investors under Rule 506C. That channel has now been open for about a year. It's what we're all buzzing and talking about um, on the day. Uh, the company may publicly advertise that they're seeking accredited investors, but everyone who does invest must now be verified that they're accredited, and that raises all sorts of interesting issues that we will either go into later on, time permitting, or we'll save for another day.
3: Okay, Um, yeah, we we do have actually another minute here before we take a break. So uh, the fact that you have to be accredited by somebody else now, give us a quick overview in 60 seconds, who's gonna do that?
6: Well, um, the problem with it is, is in the definition of who is an accredited investor, And um, you can either do that yourself um, um, by um, giving information to the issuer or you can um, bring in your lawyer or your federally registered investment advisor or your CPA um, who can um, verify that you're accredited. Um, But that costs money and investors are not used to being asked this question. And because um, they're not used to being asked this question, they're going to view you as prying and they're going to head for the hills. So this is going to take years to change because it's going to take years for folks to be willing to um, um, you know, have a company ask them, well, just how much money do you have? Not something investors want to tell companies.
4: That's absolutely true. Yeah. So we need to take a quick break for our sponsors to head for those hills. And we'll be right back with John Meyer.
1: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this.
0: Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at BubbleFast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the BubbleFast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at BubbleFast.
2: at BruceClay.com.
1: We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach only on WebmasterRadio.fm
3: And welcome back to CEO Coach. We're talking with John Meyer. Ann Kennedy and I are chatting here about Capital and raising it or bringing it into your company safely. So, John, you've talked about a couple of things, or actually three distinct things. One is bringing in capital in which you're not handing out any stock for it, and that would be crowdfunding, right? You don't need any SEC for it. Most of the time, we use it in things like Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Um, great places if you've got a product you're about to launch and you haven't done it yet and you want to see if the market wants to buy it. You're kind of pre selling it. You You know, a lot of us get on there and uh, kind of hope we get the product sooner or later. We throw a few bucks on the table and see what happens. That's kind of cool. And of course, people use it to raise money for ideas as well and, and services and so on. But still, you're not giving away stock. The second two that you're talking about are far more important, I think, to our CEOs at this point. One is you're giving away stock to accredited investors, and we've done that for a long time. John, can you now talk more about what's going on with this crowdfunding law, which we really don't have? um, And they're just all of these pitfalls where you could step over the line and find yourself that, you know, you've shot yourself in the foot a couple of years later.
6: Sure. So this is our third channel, which is crowdfunding.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
6: and the answer is it just isn't available yet. Yeah. And here's why. First, the federal law is waiting for rules. Okay, so um, you know, the statute was passed two and a half years ago. The SEC was told to have rules in 90 days. They don't have them. And, and, and the reason they don't have them is the statute is so complicated that the SEC is struggling with even coming up with something that would make it work. So, you know, we're waiting to see what they come back with. Now, okay. do you have any visibility,
3: that, by the way, being an attorney, do you have any visibility in this area about when we might expect that to come? Or are you just saying, "Nah, government, you'll never know.
6: Yeah, we'll never know. Okay. Um, they, <laughs> this is a, They don't. The SEC all the time, and, and they don't answer that kind of question.
4: Yeah, I figured um, they don't. If
6: you um, if you uh, if you talk to one of your friends at the SEC and you ask them that question, um, they say, uh, "Are you trying to uh, sabotage our friendship?" So that doesn't go either. Uh-huh. Got it. Um, however, there you can. There is crowdfunding in this country. There are state exemptions up and running in eleven states, and there are thirteen others working on statutes or rules. And um, so you can in these eleven states, um, and if people are interested, I can
3: yeah list them talk out. about
6: what those are. Well, list out um, a few sure. of the big ones. <laughs> All right, I've got a list of them. I'll just run through them. It's okay. our very own Washington, brand new to the list: Idaho, Colorado, Kansas, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Tennessee, Georgia, Maine, and Maryland. Okay, the eleven that are up and running. Um, When I say they're up and running, though, um, no one has a solution for how to deal with a database of thousands of investors, right? So imagine you need to raise $1 million, $100 at a time. That means you need to find and contract with 10,000 investors. The cost of managing that group, let alone complying with the law, is prohibitive, and it renders the channel infeasible even if it worked. However, I did tell you there's a fatal flaw and the fatal flaw is that the state law depends on a federal exemption specifically the exemption is Securities Act Section 3A11 and FCC rule number 147 people can look those up if they're interested but the but the, the problem is that nowhere does it say that the, under the state um, exemptions from registration that the people who sign up, the non-accredited investors uh, don't count towards the total number of stockholders in your company. Now, the federal law does. It says that the crowdfunded investors don't count. Well, if you get to 500 non-accredited investors under Dodd Frank, you've got yourself a public company. So there's no way you can use the state laws um, um, as a practical matter, and that's the failed law.
3: Yeah, it seemed to me that raising funds under state laws says you're just fine if you're hanging out in your state, but later, when the feds don't agree, it sounds a little bit like cannabis. Don't we have the same problem there, where they're making state laws that say, sure, and the feds say, yeah, but that's still a federal crime?
6: Yeah, it's a it's a similar issue. Um, the state says go ahead, raise the money, um, but the Fed say, well, but if you have five hundred investors, you're you're who are not accredited, you're full, and you now have to go public, and of course that's prohibitively expensive. So as a result, the state exemptions, you know, uh, are still needing a federal change for them to become effective. And I'm not aware of any lobbying efforts right now um, at the federal level to get that thing fixed anytime soon.
3: Okay. So we've got three ways anyway that, that exist here, right? They do exist whether we kind of think they work or not. Under what circumstances would you say I could use one, two, or three? Number one, crowdfunding, or excuse me, crowdsourcing, sorry. Number one, crowdsourcing. I'm not giving away any equity. In other words, no stock are going to these people who are sending me money. Essentially, I'm taking in donations, and they kind of expect the gift on the other end, that thank you gift being whatever product I'm selling them or whatever I promised them from stickers to hats.
6: Uh, Jillian, why are you asking a securities lawyer? There's no security involved here. Go ahead and do it.
3: (laughs) Sounds good. Um, Okay, so you're saying anybody could do it. That's always
6: work. That's always worked, and it was just waiting to have a market develop to ha- have it happen. There was no change in law necessary to start Kickstarter. Um, it's a fabulous idea, um, and, and by the way, companies for years has been um, looking for customers who are willing to give them a down payment in advance to use that to fund, to build things, uh, sure or have. to make a product. And that's really, you know, that's a that's a tried and true way, and um, the Internet has made this a fabulous market and go to it. Um, there are all sorts of laws involved, but no securities laws
3: sounds great so it's really crowdsourcing is usually about pre-buying products that's what mostly is raises money it does it most effectively you get more of it and you do it more frequently with success on things like kickstarter or indiegogo um at this point those products don't usually exist yet it's really a great way to uh, test your markets go for it all right number two crowd funding that's the problem child yeah, when would yet. you say it would be safe under any circumstances? No. Boy, that was the quickest Absolutely. answer I've ever had from an attorney. What do you think? Wow. Could, one word answer
4: guy? from an attorney. Cool. <laughs> well,
6: because it doesn't work under federal law because we're, uh, we're waiting for the rules and the state exemptions won't get you there.
3: Okay, so even if you figure you could raise it from just a few people, like five or ten, you're still playing with fire?
6: Oh, no, you can go ahead. Um, You can use the the state rules, but the limits of how much you can raise varies from state to state. You know, one state might limit you to, you know, a thousand dollars a person. And, yeah, if you want to raise $5,000 from five people um, um, and comply with the state statute um, and do the legal work on your own because you're not going to be able to afford to hire a lawyer to do it, you know, sure, it would work. But does it make sense? It's not going to raise any money.
3: Okay. So, really, if you're raising just a few bucks from just a few people and you want to go that route – Stay in your state and do it. But there's, I mean, it's really such a small group of companies that could possibly use it. I think your answer refers to the first one, no.
4: (laughs) All right. I'm also reminded, Jillian, of that old adage that uh, a person who represents himself legally uh, has a fool. (laughs) <laughs> <from an attorney. laughs> as a fool for an attorney. Did I say, did I say yes. that
3: right? Yeah. Yes, I think you did. That's right. A person who represents uh, himself in a court of law has a fool for an attorney.
6: Yes, and an attorney who represents himself has a fool for a client.
3: Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Now that we've solved those two issues, one more thing then before we wrap up this segment. The third option, which is the standard traditional way we've been raising money. Are there any new twists and kinks in this thing, or is it just staying stable and this is still the way to go?
6: Well, yeah. I mean, there is a, a twist, which is that we now have 506C and. Um, The SEC has, um, you know, put out some releases saying that they may require additional disclosure and they may require a few um, interesting new um, uh, disclaimers and legends in the documents, but that hasn't been enacted yet. So right now, 506C is only requiring verification and, you know, if you can do a solid job on verification and so that you got a pretty good idea that your investors have given you the information so that you can determine that they really do have a net worth of uh, one million dollars, then um, you probably have a pretty good exemption and you will have been able to publicly solicit investors. The problem is if you don't have a good exemption because you haven't done a good job on verification, um, then what do you have to fall back on? You've already publicly solicited, so you have an unregistered public offering, and as you know, that's not a good thing. So it doesn't really function well as a safe harbor, which the other rule, 506B, did. In 506B, since you haven't gone public, if you've got a problem, you still have other private placement exemptions that are available. Um, here, if you've got a problem, um, the best you can do is go quiet for six months. So it's a pretty risky thing, which means you're going to want to spend more money on it. And um, you know, spending money on raising money is not what CEOs like to do.
3: Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a break here at CEO Coach. We're going to come back. Uh, We're going to ask you about uh, your hottest tips uh, for entrepreneurs who are raising money in this environment. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy speaking with John Meyer of Meyer Corp Law. We'll be right back.
1: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Webmasterradio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here.
0: Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix,
1: plus build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
4: And we are back at CEO Coach. We're talking to John Meyer of Meyer Corp Law. He is a securities attorney, and he has been telling us how to bring capital safely into our companies. John, it's great to hear what you have to say. So, what we'd like you to do now, as we wrap up this program, this episode, what are your two or three best tips for uh, startup entrepreneurs? And then, finally, would you share with us? what should I ask an attorney before I hire one to help me raising capital go John sure so
6: um, if you're going 506 C and you're going to publicly solicit you're going to want to work with a platform that reaches a, a wide variety of people they've got templates and they've got approaches Um, to verification that will help you master that. And if you're following the best practices of one of the, you know, the good, um, groups out there that are now starting to get organized, I think you, you will have insulated yourself somewhat from some of these risks. So I wouldn't do 506C on your own by, you know, going out and advertising on your website that you're looking for investors. I would, I would do that through a channel that's, you know, been established. And there's a bunch of them that have been, and they're coming
4: along. So uh, if you're going 506C, use an established um, channel.
6: Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't want to mention any names of channels on, on this show. I don't want to, you know, you know say one's Actually, better than the other. Actually, you know what?
3: Um, let's not say one's better than the other, but I always do tell my uh, listeners... We're going to, you know, name names and quote numbers here. If you know of a few of them, let's share them. We've certainly uh, interviewed with Alejandro of Crematis of One Vest. So One Vest used to be Rock the Post. They are certainly one of those companies that approach only accredited investors or accredited and non-accredited as you choose. You get to toggle switches. So that's one of the platforms. How about you, John? Which ones do you know about?
6: You know what? I would, I would do. I would start with them, and I would tell any investor to go to a website, type in one best, and when they do that search, a whole bunch of people will come up with, who have written blogs, ranking them, and the blogs are by and large consistent, you don't, you actually can do this on your own, and you or I or or Ann, we don't have to actually sit here and and, and list names, um, uh, because... This is an emerging area. These people are brand new to this and um anything I say now will probably be information that's about a month old and it's stale. So okay. I, mean, I would li- I think people really should just go into the internet, go to any one of the search engines, type in one best and um and see what comes up and they'll find a wealth of useful information which changes all the time.
3: Excellent. Good idea. So tip number two Um, is do a search, get a good list of ranked crowdfunding sites. Choose one. Okay. What's your third tip?
6: the, The really important tip is that 506B is just not as difficult as people think it is. And while you cannot advertise, you certainly can talk to lots of folks. And if you're going to raise money, you should go out and talk to lots of folks, lots of angel groups, let people know you're out there, and you know they'll introduce you to other people. And when you meet somebody through that process, you know you don't want them to write a check the moment they meet you. You want them to ask a lot of questions. And over the time that they're asking those questions, you do establish a relationship with them. There is FCC No Action Relief that says that if you've known somebody for two months, It is a substantive pre-existing relationship, and that's about the amount of time for a lot of these investment decisions that folks should be spending looking at the company. So it turns out that good old-fashioned 506B, the old rule, isn't such a bad idea after all and may work quite well.
3: Okay. So again, the takeaway here is that you have to have a prior relationship for 60 days before somebody pops a check down. This is a really good idea anyway. You'll get to know them and know whether or not you want to take their money. They get to know you and whether or not they want to put their money down on you and your idea. Assuming that's the case, you're saying after 60 days, what is it that you meet in terms of the letter of law then? How does that affect um, the accredited investor relationship here?
6: Well, it's not the letter of the law, it's the question of, of whether you, how you found the investor, um, and you don't want, you know, you don't want to have have a lot of publicity, so, you know, you don't want, you know, the, you know, the local business journal write, writing about the fact that you're raising money. Um, and uh, you don't want your website to say, hey, we're raising money because that's advertising. You, you want right. to do it the good old-fashioned way. You want to go to angel groups. You want to talk to people. You want to be introduced to people. It, it's, a, it's a one, two-year process that you want to build in, and therefore you want to start right from the beginning as you're developing your company to develop your capital sources.
3: Brilliant. That is the hottest tip you've given us there. And tip number three is build in the time to develop your capital sources. Thanks for being with us, John. Can you share your phone number or email address or both so people can get a hold of you?
6: Absolutely. So I have a website. It is That's myercorplaw.com. That's corplaw.com um that has a contact page and you'll find my email and my phone number and my email just happens to be john j-o-h-n at myrcorplaw.com and my phone number is 206-651-5563 and i answer that number no one else does so if you get a live person you're getting me
4: (laughs)
3: excellent thanks so much for being with us john it was a pleasure
6: Thank you, Jillian. Thanks, Anne. And it was a pleasure talking to both of you. And invite me back soon because this is lots of fun. Yes,
3: yeah, yeah, betcha. We are going to invite you back very soon. We're going to be talking about additional issues around this, and we'll be sharing uh, links to some subject matter on your website on our Facebook page. We hope that you'll download these shows through iTunes, through iHeartRadio, webmasterradio.fm, Stitcher, and many other sources around the web. We'd like you to stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast. Again, facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast, where we will put links to resources that we discussed here today and every week. If you've got a hot question, pop it in there and we will try to get it answered for you right here at CEO Coach. Till next week, this is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy.